welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And once again, we have Yuna, a nutrition and health coach who's back for season two. Yuna and I were having a chat about what we're gonna discuss in today's podcast. And one of her passion projects is sleep. And I didn't know this about Yuna, but she not only studied psychology at university, she also studied sleep science. So welcome back, Yuna. I'd love for you to share your journey from sleep science to health coaching. Thanks, Shami. It's a pleasure to be back. Yes, sleep. It's an area that I've always had a really strong interest in. I studied psychology as my undergraduate degree many years ago and kind of narrowed down into the space of sleep science as my area of interest. Interestingly enough, 25 years ago, people weren't that interested in sleep and God knows what was going through my head, but I decided that that wasn't the direction I was going to go into. And, you know, Life took me on a different journey career-wise. But interestingly enough, you know, 25 years later, I've circled back and sleep is huge in health, right? I've become a health coach and now I realise how much focus is on sleep and it's how important it is for people's health and well-being. And so it's great to be able to kind of circle back and be able to talk about sleep and catch up, I guess, on some of the most recent research on what people can be doing to support their sleep. Yeah, it's a really exciting area of exploration at the moment. You know, I have so many questions for you, but what I'm going to do is just start and just reflect on what I see in patients and health. And you're absolutely right. And I literally preach that sleep is the most important part of the day. It's the easiest to give up. And it's often the one that goes off first when we're stressed, when we've got a lot of work to do. I have so many patients who say, well, I, you know, I've got to do my homework for teenagers or, you know, I want to relax with the TV just before sleep. And, you know, they're literally rushing. They've put their kids to bed and now it's their time to relax and they turn on the TV, they turn on screens, they're maybe on social media as well. I've had so many stories of, you know, women just waking up in the night, going to the toilet, but checking social media and getting carried away with social media. And we often don't connect sleep to health and how important that is from, you know, weight loss to mental health to fatigue. And that's just the three of many conditions. And now they're even saying about the importance of sleep and reducing the risk of dementia. So there's so many health benefits from getting a really good night's sleep. So, you know, I'd love to know, what was it like 25 years ago studying about sleep and how far have we come? Yeah, so I guess when I was studying sleep back in the 90s, <laughs> a long time ago, a lot of it was focused on, I guess, clinical sleep issues you know we talked we learned about narcolepsy and some of these strange sleep disorders it was very much focused on you know yeah clinical disorders so sleep apnea and all those kinds of sleep dysfunctions an awful lot of talk about the preventative and elements of sleep that can support health and well-being it was very much about sleep disorder back in those days but it's come such a long way in terms of sleep science in terms of what we now know and how important sleep is in terms of our health and well-being and like you said it's often one of those things that we just take for granted fall asleep eventually until it's gone and then we don't understand why and it can become a real point of frustration and anxiety and, and can lead to a whole range of things 
I kind of see sleep as a non-negotiable. So if you sleep, sleep goes out the window, it's really one of those things that you really should be addressing quite quickly as far as your health and well-being is concerned. It's, like you said, associated with a lot of other risk factors in terms of cardiovascular health, mental health and well-being, cognitive function. There's so many things that can happen when you don't sleep properly. So I think it's something that we really need to draw more attention to and really understand how to support better sleep in your life, really. Fantastic. So, you know, what would you say to my patients? Let's start with my patients who are teenagers. They've got a lot of homework. They're doing a lot of screen time and they're literally then going to bed straight away. And I always mention what screen time is really doing, how it's disrupting your sleep routine and especially having a good, a really nice deep sleep. And it can be resulting in chronic sleep deprivation as well. So where would they start? What advice would you give in creating a new sleep habit? I think one of the things that we do that we probably shouldn't be doing is spending time on our screens before bedtime. And despite what people think, it's not actually the blue light that disrupts. There's been quite a bit of research that shows that blue light is not necessarily the thing that's keeping us awake. It's that constant thinking it's the unable to switch off the monkey mind that keeps us awake and disrupts our sleep. So I think getting into a habit of switching off devices well before bedtime is a really good habit to get into. You know, an hour or two before bedtime, no devices and, and just allowing your brain to unwind and relax. Another thing that is really simple for us to do is to make the bed and bedroom space a sacred space where we don't do things like homework and other things other than sleeping really and you know maybe not for teenagers but for adults other things in the bed you know <laughs> sleep and sex is what we've always been told is what you should keep your bedroom for and nothing else so I think in terms of getting teenagers off to bed I think it's also really important to maintain a regular sleep time and maintaining that on weekends as well I know it's very tempting sometimes to go well Maintaining good sleep times and maintaining that over the weekend so that you maintain that consistency day in, day out. It can be tempting sometimes to, you know, on weekends, you don't have school the next day to let kids stay up later, but that can actually be the more disruptive later in the week than we, we seem to think. So, Do you know what my teenage patients would say to me? Well, I've got a lot of homework and I won't be able to finish it in time how can they reorganize their day because i totally agree with you sleep is so so sacred and it's like this domino effect once you don't have a good night's sleep you're tired the next day and then it just snowballs into probably more fatigue you might get more stressed you might not be able to focus in school so it becomes like this domino effect what steps can teenagers take in reorganizing their day so they can turn off their screens an hour before bed well, I think it's like anything. It's about setting your priorities, right? And that can be challenging for teens. I mean, socialising, chatting with their friends on social media can seem like a priority. I mean, my advice to my teenage daughter, who's 16, you know, it's very much a social media phones are off by 8pm every night. I don't allow my kids to engage on social media past eight o'clock. I think that's more than ample time for them to have spent with their friends chatting throughout the day. But I also try and encourage some healthy approaches to doing their homework and getting it out of the way early so they can actually allow their brain time to unwind and, and come down. That said, I think there's a lot of research that supports the fact that teenagers 
tend to wake later and go to bed later than the average population. And we need to be mindful of that. And we need to accept that, you know, their brains work slightly differently to the rest of us. But I think within those parameters, there are certainly some ways to encourage better sleep habits and not allowing, like you said, if you allow them to stay up late, it has flow on effects down the track the following day can lead to, you know, lack of energy, poor food choices, and those things are self-petuating, aren't they? That, you know, the longer you stay up, the more energy you need to use, the hungrier you get. And if you're eating bad food, if you're eating chips and chocolates and, and things that aren't great for you, you're not going to have the energy to con- to sustain that long term. So I think it's really important to talk to your teenagers about the consequences of those late nights and how they can lead to other things that may not be as desirable, you know, weight gain and poor skin and low energy and not being able to do all those other things that they love to do. So really, really good tips, you know, and you mentioned a really important point and it's moving on to my patients, probably women who young families or, you know, just really busy professionals coming home, sorting their families out and then having the evening to relax. And it's, you made a really important point about blue light because some have said, right, I've got blue light blocking glasses, I'm going to be fine. But in actual fact, your mind is thinking, it's taking in lots of new information, it's being using all this energy. So is that disruptive for sleep? I'd love for my listeners to hear this. Absolutely. All that thinking that you do in bed is disruptive to sleep. And there's a lot to be said for people journaling and actually getting those ideas out of their mind and onto a piece of paper so that they can stop worrying about those things when they're in bed. I love the idea of having a bit of a, you know, a brain dump before bed. It can be really helpful in in stopping those, you know, thought patterns in the middle of the night as well. I think what's really important for people to understand is the difference between sleepiness and fatigue and being able to respond to being sleepy and actually taking on those cues. I think sometimes we talk about being tired and fatigued and mistake that for being sleepy. And sometimes we end up going to bed at times that are not suitable for us as a consequence. So being really in tune with your body and understanding when there are signs of sleepiness and then signs of fatigue. So, you know, oftentimes the sleepiness will start before you start actually feeling tired, right? But, you know, we ignore it, we stay up, we scroll our phones, we watch TV or we, we push through that. And I think being in tune with those signs of when we're sleepy, we do it with babies, right? When you have a newborn baby, you often watch your baby endlessly looking for those signs of sleepiness and then it tips over into being really tired and that's when your baby starts to get cranky and crying and that sort of thing. So I think we need to stay in tune with our own bodies and look for signs of sleepiness and react to that, go to bed when we know that sleep onset is on its way and we're at the most primed to get the best sleep that we can and, you know, be more in tune with ourselves, with our own circadian rhythms as well. So in answer to your question, for women who find themselves late at night feeling very wired because they've got lots of thinking and time to do, try to develop a bit of a ritual to unwind, allow that sleep to come on and try and remove some of that busyness from your mind. Like I said, journaling is a great approach. Having a ritual of perhaps having 
a calming experience before you hop into bed. So, you know, a cup of tea or something. Unfortunately, sometimes we resort to things like alcohol to try and get us to bed. And that's the worst thing that you can do. And so. Excellent. There are better habits to develop, I think. So if someone's not actually aware what their sleep habit is because it's become so automated. So it's become a ritual that, yep, I'm checking social media. That's how I relax or I'm waking up in the night, checking social media. What's the first step they can take to creating a better sleep hygiene? I think one of the first things to do is actually recording what your sleep is like. I think having a sleep diary is really valuable. Sometimes we think we're not sleeping well when actually we're probably sleeping better than we think or we forget what our sleep experience was like the night before. And so maintaining a sleep diary can be really insightful, you know, understanding, you know, what time I went to bed, what things I did before I went to bed and then, you know, noting any night wakenings, how you're feeling and then recording how you feel in the morning, how well rested you feel you know, whether there are any unusual patterns or things happening there. And I think once you start documenting that, you can start to draw correlations between perhaps certain behaviours that are supporting your sleep and behaviours that are not supporting your sleep. So in terms of setting yourself up for the night, I think it starts from the morning, right? It's a day-long process to get yourself off to bed the next day. So certain things that can help is getting out, getting some sunlight early in the day. Vitamin D is great for helping people sleep. So, you know, getting out in the sunshine might be a bit harder to do in the middle of winter, but certainly as the weather is warming up, trying to get out and get some exercise throughout the day as well is really helpful. So exercising is great for sleep, but not late at night. So if you can avoid exercising late at night, that's um, not recommended. But throughout the day, it can be really helpful in inducing sleep at night. Avoiding... Things like caffeine stimulants too late in the day. I think, you know, rule of thumb, if you can avoid caffeine after 6 p.m., it's probably a good thing to be doing. So, you know, instead of a coffee after dinner, maybe a herbal tea might be a better choice. Not that a herbal tea will necessarily make you go to sleep, but it's a calming, relaxing ritual that can help support. And things like uh, avoiding Alcohol. So alcohol is an interesting one in the sense that a lot of us turn to alcohol as a way to relax, but it actually suppresses that deep restful sleep that we need. And as a consequence, you might end up with exacerbating your insomnia if you you rely on alcohol as a crutch to get you off to sleep. So the challenge with that is that people who rely on alcohol to get to sleep will often experience severe insomnia once they stop. And so they give up and they go back to drinking. But if you are serious about making sure you get good sleep, cutting back alcohol, even if not completely, but trying to reduce your amount of alcohol is probably a good step in the right direction. Fantastic. Lovely, great tips, actually. The sunlight in the day, movement, making sure you're having good exercise throughout the day, but more importantly, the caffeine. And I always have really difficult conversations with my patients when it comes to caffeine. And especially if you're not getting good deep sleep or you're feeling anxious, really look at your caffeine intake, do an experiment, think about, you know, if you're finding it just a struggle to even think about going off caffeine, go to decaf, see what that looks like and just really observe the effects. So really important. And I love what you talked about alcohol, you know, it can be used, especially if you're stressed or 
and you know nothing else to do or it's been used as a way of calming yourself down it's just an easy one to turn to so really good point that you mentioned about alcohol it does disrupt sleep so i love that really simple tips now how can someone get started on creating a new habit because there's a lot of time there's a bit of procrastination of i'll do it tomorrow you know because we're just so in our comfort zone when it's our current habit that change can be quite hard I think that the key is not to go make drastic changes too quickly. So if you're, say you regularly go to bed at 11 o'clock, right? And if you have an early start every morning, chances are you're not getting as much sleep as you should be getting. And let's be clear, everyone is different. There is no prescribed minimum hours sleep. Some people can get by on four hours. Some people need 12, right? But the average sleep, is about eight hours and most people sit within you know the seven to 11 hour time range in terms of how many hours sleep they need to function at their optimal point and that can change depending on where you're at in your life and things that are happening in your life but if you kind of aim for eight hours of sleep if you're going to bed at 11 o'clock you probably shouldn't be getting up until about seven o'clock and I don't know about you but most people need to be in the office by nine Waking up at seven o'clock is not necessarily going to be working for you and, and giving you your optimal in the office throughout the day. So some people have the luxury of having much more flexible workplaces, but I know that there's a lot of people who don't. So, but if you're going to bed at 11 o'clock and you realize that you probably need to increase your hours of sleep, going to bed at nine might not be really feasible for you straight off the bat, but you could try by saying, okay, well, tonight I'm going to go to bed try and get to bed by 10.30. And that might involve creating a ritual that starts from 10.30 and maybe by the time you fall asleep, it might be 11, but it's better than going to bed at 11 and not falling asleep until 12, right? So start the ritual early, start unwinding, turning off devices, dimming lights. Lighting is a really important one. There's been research that's shown that most houses have lighting, nighttime lighting is far too strong for us that we should be looking at using dimmers and, and reducing the amount of ambient light around us before we go to bed. So, you know, even little things like changing your light bulbs to a lighter one or installing dimmers on your lights and reducing the amount of ambient light before you go to bed can be really helpful. You know, trying things like meditation before bed can be really helpful as well. To get to the point of habit change, I think the idea is that you slowly wind back your bedtime to accommodate. And, you know, you will find that there is a point at which isn't optimal for you. So maybe 9 o'clock is not feasible, but maybe 10 o'clock much better for you. And if you can work back to a time where you're going to get to bed, get the right amount of sleep for your lifestyle and your body and your body clock, I think, you know, doing that gradually is probably going to lead to far greater success than trying to do it in one big hit. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Una. That was helpful tips and just great reminders. Often, you know, people know this information, but it's just a reminder because we fall into habits and sometimes we're actually not aware of, oh, actually, why am I drinking another cup of coffee at six? Or, you know, why am I scrolling at 11 o'clock? And we just fall into different habits. So this is such a great reminder. So, you know, before we leave you, I know that you've got an online offering. I'd love to for you to share more of that. Yeah, so... Obviously, I'm passionate about helping people get more sleep because it's such an important aspect of our health and well-being. And so I've developed a four-week sleep program 
that people can sign up for. It's a self-paced program with some supporting coaching sessions that have got run alongside it. And basically it's about looking at lifestyle and how you can incorporate better sleep habits to support your sleep. So if anyone's looking for a little bit of assistance in changing their sleep habits and getting a bit more sleep and feeling a bit more energized as a consequence, I encourage them to take a look and I'd love to see them in the group. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Yuna. Thanks, Shami. It's a pleasure as always. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six-week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.